What we haven't seen with Gemini and Genesis in this instance is the SEC coming after them after they've already blown up. That's, uh, you know, if you're looking for consumer protection, that ain't it. <laughs> Welcome back to Investing Experts Podcast. I'm Daniel Snyder. In this episode, we're joined by Mike Fay, founder of Blockchain Reaction, found on Seeking Alpha. For those of you who have been asking us to cover more of the crypto space, this episode is for you. We get Mike's hot take on FTX, the recent rise in Bitcoin and crypto prices, and we wrap up with his big token investment idea for 2023. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. At times, myself or the guest, my own positions in the securities or at times, non-securities mentioned. But this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoy this episode, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get into the interview. Mike, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. Thanks for having me. So we like to kick things off. If you don't mind, for those of people that don't know you, do you have like a one minute overview of you know who you are, how you got into crypto investing, and then maybe what's going on in the Seeking Alpha Marketplace service? Yeah, yeah. I can see if I can do it in 60 seconds or less. Uh, I'm a, an analyst uh, previously in media and uh, took that kind of... Uh, skill set that I felt I had an aptitude for and applied it to my own personal investing and felt that I could do it pretty well. So I started writing for Seeking Alpha in 2019, covering mainly media stocks and uh, some of the gold stocks. Um, you know, I'm not a macro analyst. I wouldn't consider myself that, but I do try to pay attention to things like the cost of credit uh, and how that impacts the markets overall. Came into crypto in the 2017 cycle. I did not buy it in 2017. I waited until things kind of fell apart in 2018 to start scaling in. Really enjoyed the 2020, 2021 run up um, and have felt that the space is very interesting, similar to how maybe the tech bubble was, you know, in 99, 2000, you're going to have a lot of things that are going to go crazy and be based on purely hype. But when the wreckage happens, which is what we're dealing with now, uh, out of that, you'll be able to find some things that are very useful. So I've covered some of those ideas. I've covered things that I don't like to try to help people steer away from those uh, types of coins and, and, and ideas. But mainly my focus at the moment is to provide blockchain reaction which is a marketplace service with Seeking Alpha, uh, where I try to provide my insights on the crypto assets and the crypto ideas that I do like and uh, help people kind of have this, you know, second tech boom, uh, I guess, after whatever crypto winter, how long it takes. We're, uh, <laughs> we're in the depths of it at the moment, but uh, that's mainly my, my background there. So you're saying this is like the dot-com bubble time of crypto or, or the great financial crisis time of banks? Is, is that kind of what you're saying here? I think that we're in the, we're in the, you know, a, a cycle, a cyclical moment with crypto assets specifically that I think will be very 20 years down the line. I think it will be applicable to what people experience with dot-com bubble and, and, you know, finding Amazon at the floor, finding Apple at the floor, names like that. Interesting. So there's a lot for us to cover today. I mean, as we all know, 2022 is quite the year for crypto. Um, but here we are at the beginning of 2023. January today is Wednesday, January 18th, while we're recording this. And we've seen a recent kind of rise in the price of Bitcoin overall. And I know a lot of people turn to Bitcoin as the most well-known Bitcoin and Ethereum. 
What do you attest to this? Do you think this is something that might continue? You know, I, I've actually been telling the, uh, the blockchain reaction subscribers that I think that this is probably a rip to sell. Um, I don't know that there is a fundamental purpose for this yet. I think that a lot of it is a bear market rally. Having said that, um, Bitcoin going underneath 15,000, going underneath 14,000 has become a bit of a consensus view. So, you know, it could be possible that the bottom is in. It's possible that it's not. I personally take the view that we're, we're going to have one more leg lower, but I could certainly be wrong. I think what we've seen now is we've seen the, the, most of these assets have essentially retraced where they were following the FTX collapse. So right before FTX, Bitcoin and Ethereum looked very bullish. They had just broken out over their, uh, I believe, 20-week moving averages, which is a, a metric that I've been focused on literally for two years. Um, and they had they were really favorable setups. FTX collapsed. Everything fell apart. Those big, big declines have essentially been retraced on this rally, and now we're at those kind of resistance levels. Everything is getting very, very hot from an RSI perspective. And that's just the TA view, you know, from a fundamental perspective, which is what I like to look at. We're seeing some things that are doing very well, other things, maybe not so much. And they're just kind of getting caught up in the rally. Yeah, it's still a weird kind of state of the overall crypto environment, though. I mean, me and you were just talking yesterday, prepping for this about what's going on with the SEC uh, bringing charges against the crypto firms Genesis and Gemini. Could you maybe touch on that a little bit and what's happening right here in time and like what might be keeping investors out of this sector of the market? Yeah. So Genesis is Gemini, Genesis, two different companies. They sound similar. It can be a bit confusing. Uh, Genesis is essentially a lending arm for digital currency group, DG, uh, DCG. DCG owns many crypto businesses. Genesis is one of them. Uh, Gemini is a more consumer focused uh, crypto exchange. They also have an earning uh platform as well, where Gemini users can take their Bitcoin or their ETH or whatever cryptos they have, lend them through Gemini's, you know, yield earning vehicle. And then Gemini takes those assets and does what they do with them. They loan them out so that they can generate a yield for the consumer. Some of the Genesis, or excuse me, the Gemini assets that were customer assets were lent to Genesis which then lent them out again. Genesis had a lot of exposure to not just FTX, but uh, Three Arrows Capital, which is another firm that kind of blew up last year. So Genesis has had some serious liquidity problems. They've essentially been unable to pay back Gemini, who has this obligation to their customers that they can now no longer <laughs> uh, you know, pay. And you have essentially just another example of you know, the centralized uh, custodial-based approaches to crypto not working out because they're trying to do traditional finance things without kind of the traditional finance safeguards. And agencies like the SEC are supposed to be able to step in and, and put a stop to these things. They have done that effectively with some of them. People may forget that the SEC threatened to sue Coinbase I believe it was early 2021 when Coinbase wanted to do a yield earning uh, product similar to Celsius, similar to uh, BlockFi, these companies that uh, haven't made it. And the SEC before Coinbase was even able to do that said, hold on, don't do this. This is a security. 
And so because you're offering yield on assets, you're offering securities and you haven't registered them as securities with us. So there's a history with the SEC coming after companies before they do it. There's a history of the SEC coming after companies after they do it. What we haven't seen with Gemini and Genesis in this instance is the SEC coming after them after they've already blown up. That's, uh, you know, if you're looking for consumer protection, that ain't it. <laughs> but that's in a nutshell what has been going on with, with Genesis, Gemini, because of this issue with Genesis, which again is owned by Digital Currency Group, you now have the contagion fears that other digital currency group subsidiaries like Grayscale will somehow be impacted by this. And that's, I think, contributed to the NAV discount that we've seen in a lot of the Grayscale assets. And that's kind of the dark cloud looming over the industry, right? And I, I think what was interesting to me while I was doing a little bit of research on this was Gemini is actually led by the Winklevoss twins, right? Aren't they the ones that sort of started in? And you have 340,000 users that are now out $900 million of frozen assets. Um, yep. I mean, is this why you're diving into fundamentals and trying to figure out these tokens and where to go next? Because there's just like destruction. I think that... You know, if there's any lesson that we have learned from this debacle, aside from, you know, leverage, crypto assets already move ridiculously fast. You don't need leverage <laughs> to take advantage of that. You're going to get a 20% move in some of these things overnight on occasion. So I think that the lesson is, aside from leverage, like I said, is these things are not supposed to live with custodians, right? They live on chain public blockchain is supposed to take away the need for custodial, uh, you know, permissioned systems. That's exactly why Bitcoin exists is because of as Bitcoin came into existence as a result of the financial crisis, banks blowing up, getting bailed out, being essentially in control of the currency. You know, crypto is supposed to be anti-custodial. And so when you buy Ethereum, if you're holding it on Coinbase, you're doing it wrong. Same with Bitcoin. You can get yield in DeFi protocols. DeFi held up very well when Celsius blew up, when BlockFi blew up, Three Arrows Capital, not a yield generating thing, but Gemini can't pay back the customers. DeFi itself has done well. The problem with DeFi is that it's difficult for normal people to do it, but so is trading stocks, right? <laughs> it's hard to find stocks that are actually fundamentally valuable. Uh, especially in an era of uh, you know low interest rates. So the point is, we have to learn from the mistake that we've learned you know throughout the uh, existence of crypto, which is hold it yourself to the extent that you can hold it yourself, not your keys, not your coins. Yeah. And so before we move on to your top token idea of 2023, since we're already talking about the blowups that we've seen happen in FTX and everything, why don't you go ahead? What's the, what's the Mike hot take on the entire FTX action going on right now? <laughs> it's, uh, it's really confusing. Um, you know, the whole FTX thing is so wild because it, it involves politics. It involves, uh, you know, Congress, you know, legislation is coming out of this, it seems, you know, you have the digital asset uh, bill, which is bipartisan, but has been championed by people like Elizabeth Warren. And I'm not going to get into politics, but if you look at that bill and you look at what's in it, you think, okay, this isn't really going to solve what was the reason for FTX, but, but FTX as an exchange 
uh, is interesting because it's not just one business. It's actually two. You had the international business. You had the U.S. business. Sam Bankman-Fried, who started FDX, claims that the U.S. business is fine and that it's solvent and that those customers could get their assets back overnight. Okay, that's interesting. But the bigger issue is that let's say FDX U.S. is whole. For some reason, we still had FTX International offshore doing things with customer assets, loaning them to, you know, a related party that is obviously, you know, in a lot of trouble. Um, And so the whole thing is just kind of a disaster. At the same time, you've got the CEO of the exchange donating all this money to political interests on both sides of the aisle. There's going to be clawbacks because of that. So a lot of that money that has been donated to some of the politicians who have received it has has been donated to charities because they, you know, because the whole FTX thing is blown up. They're like, okay, this is this is dirty money, I guess, that I can't keep in my pocket. So I gotta, you know, give it to somebody who can do something nice with it. Great, but there's clawbacks, <laughs> and that money belongs to somebody else. So I think that this FTX situation, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to take a long time to sort all this out. Uh, I think that we will already, we will see higher Bitcoin prices before, in my opinion, we'll see higher Bitcoin prices, higher Ethereum prices uh, long before the FTX saga is over. Hmm. So wouldn't investors then be worried if there is an increase in price and then legislation action comes in. I mean, wouldn't you see the market react to that through this process like you're talking about? It depends on what kind of uh, regulatory, you know, result there is. Um, And this is actually the biggest risk in my mind uh, for any of these things. Uh, Bitcoin is a proof of work uh, consensus mechanism so I don't know how you could justify claiming that it's a security. Ethereum, previously by the uh, by the Clayton administration, uh, Clayton, you know, his, when he was in charge of the SEC, Ethereum was not a security, but now under Gensler, it might be. You know, so these types of things I think definitely could be a problem. But when I say the regulations, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I mean is like the bankruptcy proceedings with FTX and, and the actual, you know, the flow of funds from however that plays out. We could get regulations for crypto long before that happens. And I think that we probably will. But regulations are a concern. You know, could Bitcoin be uh, criminal by decree? Of course. That happened in Nigeria didn't work out well because half the country still used it anyway, but <laughs> you know, anything is possible in this space. And it's always, it, I say, if you're going to have an investment portfolio, a real investment portfolio, you want exposure to equities that actually have value that have fundamental value that are important products, preferably companies that pay a dividend. You probably want to have some exposure to historical inflation hedges gold, silver, are good. And then with, you know, what is remaining, your speculative stuff, tech stocks, crypto, it's fine for that. But there's a lot of risk still, of course. So you bring up, I just want to follow up off of that because you say anything can happen in the space and you say that there's risk. So how do you approach risk management with 
positions you take or, you know, just what you're recommending to people within the crypto space? Right. Great question. So my portfolio uh, at the moment, I think there's about 20 assets in it. The main five make up close to 92, I think, percent of the of the portfolio. So everything else is very small position wise. Um, I think the last top token idea that I shared at the end of December was like uh, like a fourth of a percent or something like that. So these aren't large positions in a in a crypto portfolio that has you know 20 assets. I like Bitcoin. I like Ethereum. I think those are the the blue chips of the space. Um, and then from there, then when you go further out on the risk curve, you want to make smaller bets. And even with those smaller bets, you, you want to find things that actually solve some sort of a problem that have some sort of a network effect. You know, the thing that I try to look at when I analyze these top token ideas is, is why does this have to be on the blockchain, right? Who benefits from this being on the blockchain, right? And so I think that there are, for example, I'll give one example. Uh, Rocket Pool, RPL token is a liquid staking protocol on Ethereum. It solves an actual problem. However, it's completely tied to Ethereum. So if Ethereum fails, RPL is done too, right? So knowing that the, the, the deeper you go into one specific ecosystem, the farther you out, farther out you're going on, on the risk curve. And so from, if you're looking for, you know, alpha on, on some of those riskier things, then my service is probably going to be a great fit. If you really just want exposure to the blue chips, you don't really need me. You can probably just focus on Bitcoin, ETH, and maybe a couple others. So let me ask you, we're talking about um, proof, of, proof of stake, proof of work. If, if you kind of had to like just share off the top of your mind when you're researching all these different tokens and you see proof of work or proof of stake, which one do you lean towards as being more safe at this moment in time? I think from a regulatory perspective, proof of work is probably safer. Uh, I think it's easier to justify that the it you know passes in a good way the Howey test because it's not a sole issuer. Um, with staking, you get a little bit more into the gray area there, especially because it's pr producing a yield generally. And so you have, I think, depending on if you have you know a large emission for token issuance. So a lot of these things like our proof of stake have very, very low circulating supplies, 15%, 25%, pretty common. That's really, really low. It's very inflationary. So the reason they have to be staked is because you want to, if you actually want a real yield, you have to have a really high staking reward that provides a real yield in addition to the rate of inflation of the token, right? So there's a legitimate expectation of a profit if your real yield calculation is actually positive. And since it's coming from generally a handful of entities, you could argue that it's closer to a security than something like proof of, proof of work. Having said that, mining a proof of work coin like Bitcoin requires a really large uh, you know, initial investment. <laughs> And when you're doing that, you have an expectation of profit as well. So there are certain things like, you know, how we test as a, as a framework for deciding if something is a security, um, it has served well in the past. Does it apply to digital assets? I think many would say yes. I'm actually not sold that it does. 
but if we're judging everything through the the Howey test framework, then I think proof of work is probably a, a little bit safer from a regulatory standpoint. Interesting take. I love that. Let's go ahead and transition though, because we got to dive into your top token idea of 2023. I think that's what everybody's talking about right now is what's your top idea? Why does it make sense to you? What's the advantages of it? Why don't you just give us the rundown? Sure. Okay. So my top idea for this year is, is Matic uh, Polygon. It is a level two scaling blockchain built on Ethereum. It had a great run last year already. So a lot of people, I think, in the space think it's already had its move and, and that's possible. Um, but what I think is interesting about Polygon is for an industry that is supposed to be decentralized, Polygon is actually very centralized. And the reason why it is, is because it is really um, marketed as like an enterprise solution, which is why you've had companies like Starbucks use it. You've had companies like Reddit use it. So what has been able to happen with Polygon is people are buying NFTs without realizing that they're NFTs, right? And that's really the whole, that that's the killer, you know, the killer catalyst with public blockchain is when you can get people to use it without realizing that they're using it. Uh, Trump just did this. You know, he just did his NFT thing. He used Polygon for that, right? So Polygon, in my view, is a great bet because I think that even if you have a broad crypto winter, because this is a blockchain that is serving real businesses like Starbucks or Reddit, uh, Disney had it in its accelerator program last year, because you have this one chain that is actually serving real businesses outside of the crypto space, I think you have a level of support here that means the floor is, 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 is a little bit lower than maybe some of the other, uh, or a little higher, excuse me, the floor were closer to it than uh, some of the other assets. And specifically because it's building on Ethereum, you know, I think that 2021, 2022 to a degree was very much about, you know, the ETH killer, right? Because there's so many problems with Ethereum. If you think about the blockchain trilemma, the Ethereum problem is scalability, right? It has security. It doesn't have scalability. So you need other ways to scale the chain. And, and we've seen that the L2s, the layer two scaling chains like Polygon, Arbitrum, uh, Optimism, these are growing faster than all of the competing L1 chains. Avalanche looks like it peaked. Solana, huge problems there. Uh, Aptos, we'll find out. It's a newer one. Uh, some of the early stuff looks good, but it's very investor heavy, very uh, VC heavy. Generally, people in crypto try to avoid that kind of stuff. And I would say that that's probably a wise uh, thing to do. So, Matic Polygon to me scales Ethereum. It provides value to Ethereum. It it does the things that you would like to see a public blockchain do if you believe that public blockchain has a future, which is namely onboard, you know, in real life businesses. Now let's rewind a second and and I'm gonna link to the article in the show notes for everybody that you know you you did a great job breaking down the Starbucks utiliz utilization of how they're going to use Polygon, but Reddit was another big name. I mean, these are big company names, right? Maybe you can just, for the people that are listening right now, break down what did Reddit do in order to make their 
NFT, but not NFT kind of work with Polygon? The Reddit project with Polygon is really interesting because it uses profile pictures, right? And any social media platform has a profile picture. Uh, I actually just changed mine on Twitter the other day. If you use any social media, if you have a picture of yourself, that's great. But a lot of times you don't have a picture of yourself. You have something else. And these are just basically called avatars, right? And so we've seen in the gaming community, we've seen in uh, some of the social media channels that people generally don't like NFTs. They see them as scammy. They see them as, you know, money grabs. But if you name them something else, instead of sell, selling the NFT as an NFT, if you sell it as an avatar picture that's exclusive, that can't be duplicated and that you own, suddenly it's okay. And so what happened was Reddit was able to onboard millions, literally millions of people by selling these avatars on the blockchain that are fundamentally NFTs. And people were fine with it. They liked it. They like to collect them. And what's interesting is in a lot of other NFT projects on Ethereum or Algorand or any other uh, layer one chain, oftentimes you see a lot of people buy up a ton of them because they're speculating and they want to try to bet on other people wanting the avatars. And that really hasn't been the case with Reddit. You have a very high degree of unique buyers. So people are buying these to actually use them. And not only is it a validation of, you know, a utility of public blockchain, but it's interesting because it might validate avatar NFTs too, which is something that I'm personally not that high on, but it's working for Polygon. And, and I think that it's, it's a very primitive, uh, you know, use for a public blockchain, but it can lead to other things. It can lead to domains. It can lead to, uh, you know, certifying real goods and assets. Uh, so it's important. Now, Mike, I got to say, I, I hear from people that are cautious in regards to tokens, especially after the FTX Alameda blow up, right? Like they were just printing tokens whenever they wanted tokens. What makes Matic different from this unlimited token extravaganza? <laughs> Well, Matic is actually one that has a, a limited supply, uh, and it's actually fairly close to that that circulating. The circulating supply is very close to the max supply. So what you'll have is you'll have, you know, ultimately you'll you'll have a if Matic is continued to be needed as a a chain, um, just to pay the gas fees, you know, the transaction costs a price that organically should rise over time. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a, you know, super hype driven rise where it goes up 50% in a week. That's not sustainable and that's not good. But if the chain has utility and, and Matic Polygon does because it's inexpensive to use, it's easily been positioned as the, the enterprise solution of choice there's nothing stopping anyone from making another social media platform. There's nothing stopping anyone from making another Netflix, right? But the reason why these companies survive is because they have network effects. They have some sort of uh, IP maybe, or they have some sort of relationship, something that differentiates them. And for Polygon, I think it stands the test of time because a lot of these other competing chains that can just kind of be, you know, created out of nowhere, they lack that, that that relationship right they lack that 
that ability to appeal to somebody in a C-suite and say, hey, I can do this for you. So let's rewind as well back to, because you mentioned Polygon is within the Disney Accelerator program for this go around. Have you thought about like what you're kind of possibly expecting the results of that being? Because I mean, you look at the companies that have been in that program before, whether it's Unity or whoever else, I mean, they usually team up with those companies for the long term. They try to. And, you know, that's the, the, the end game, I think, for Disney. At minimum, I think you see digital collectibles of some sort. So, you know, Anna and Elsa NFTs, right? <laughs> Maybe they're, uh, they do some sort of digital collectible as, a, as an image or as an accessory. Maybe they do something with uh, GameFi, which is something that I think people think that blockchain could potentially be useful in. It's, it's funny because I actually asked Ethan Buckman, who's the uh, co-founder of Cosmos, I asked him from the perspective of a skeptic, what is public blockchain used for? What do you even do with it? Why do you need it? And he's basically made the case that it's the same thing as the internet, right? People didn't even know what email was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, really. So when I say as a base case, digital collectibles for Disney, I think that's true, but ultimately they could do a number of things. They could, they could literally sell media on the public blockchain if that's what they ended up wanting to do. Interesting. So I just want to make sure we clarify for the listener, when it comes to this polygon, this is your top token idea for 2023. So this is a long-term investment for you within this space, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And, then, and then to follow that up, what would be the risk management in particular for this position going forward? I think if it ends up becoming more valuable than something like ETH or Bitcoin, you need to take some off, right? <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think you want it to be the biggest position in your portfolio. Um, you know, it could be if, if it depends on what your personal risk tolerance is, right? For me, if I feel like it's at a maturity from, you know, how it can be used, then, then I'm looking to take some off. But the other thing too, to consider is that Polygon works great right now, but it may not be as necessary in five to 10 years if Ethereum actually can do things to the native chain to scale itself. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Polygon goes away. It just might mean that Polygon is done growing because what happens between these two chains is you have to bridge from one to the other. So if I were to uh, make an NFT on Polygon and I wanted to move it to Ethereum, I would have to pay a gas fee to do that. And you get to a point where it's not economically viable to do that. So, so long as, uh, you know, Polygon continues to grow, I think it's a great investment. If it stops growing, takes them off. If it gets too big, takes them off. That's, that's kind of how I see, you know, the exit strategy. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on that uh, within your service. Uh, Mike, I, get, I can't thank you enough, man. Thank you so much for the time today, breaking down the top token idea that you've, you've brought for the year. I can't wait to follow up with you, maybe here in you know six months or whenever we have you on next to see how it's doing, see your, your updated response about the utility aspect of it. Um, before we get out of here, where can people find you, stay in touch with you, and, and just learn more? Of course. Thanks again for having me. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter and my, my handle is really simple. It's just Faye bomb F A Y B O M B college nickname. I didn't give it to myself. Don't at me. Um, and then obviously on, on seeking alpha, uh, I'm Mike Faye on seeking alpha, my, my professional name there. Um, and you know, I post a lot about crypto on seeking alpha publicly as well. Uh, you're probably going to find the stuff that I don't think are great investments on the public site. Um, but I do cover other things. I cover stocks. I cover media. Uh, I do still write about precious metal. Um, and then, of course, blockchain reaction is the marketplace service. In that service, I'm going to share, you know, the occasional trade alert, uh, which have been phenomenal. I'm, I don't want to toot my own horn, but give myself a pat on the back. There. The trade alerts have all done very well. Um, and then the top ideas. You know, I try to provide two top ideas every month. These are things that I think are long-term holds that I want to see how they mature. Uh, so things like Matic, right? Um, and, and that's really, I think, the, the focal cell of the service is these top ideas. If you're a serious investor who wants to, to look at crypto, I think Blockchain Reaction is a, is a great service for you to consider. Uh, and as, of course, there's a chat in there as well. Uh, so you can you can talk to me, you can reach out, you can ask me questions directly or in the group, and I'm, I'm very open to talking. That's awesome. Mike, thank you so much once again. Really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we're all going to keep an eye on Polygon. So now the pressure is on, my friend. So <laughs> we'll take, Thanks again for having me. No worries. You take care. We'll talk again soon. Just a reminder, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you again next week with a new episode and a new guest.